Coming up, I'll tell you why America isn't working, how we got here, and what we can do about it. And then, the greatest threat to your ability, my ability, to make a living. You won't believe it. All right, let's dive right in. Why America isn't working. Now, I'm going to talk about the work part. Some of you thought, "Uh uh-oh, Coleman's gone all political. He's all in now. No. I'm going to talk about why America isn't working. Why Americans aren't working. Why do we have a massive gap in the amount of jobs that are open versus the amount of people who can work and who are willing to work? Seven million able-bodied men are sitting at home, mentally, emotionally sucking their thumb. We'll get into that in a future part of this series. But today, we start with one of the reasons why America isn't working. America isn't working because America is stressed out. They're stressed out at work. The stress is causing an explosion of anxiety and then downstream of anxiety is depression. Per the U.S. Census Bureau, in a recent household pulse survey in 2023, 32% of adults reported having symptoms of anxiety or depression. That number is up 11% from the same survey in 2019. 50% of those adults that are currently reporting anxiety are in Gen Z, workers 18 to 24. Now let's just talk about stress. Stress is a bodily response that is cued by the brain and then administered through our nervous system, and it's triggered by an event or a situation. An event, a negative interaction with a boss a coworker, a customer. A situation where I feel like I am in an environment at work where I can't make it better. I am just trying to make it through the day. So anxiety is worry or dread that develops when that kind of stress is happening too much. Hello, five days a week? Four weeks out of the month? 12 months out of the year? Are you kidding me? Of course we're more anxious than we've ever been before. Because our work environments are unhealthy and causing so much stress. The anxiety, by the way, causes defensiveness in us. A lack of motivation. Difficulty concentrating. Accidents. Mistakes, if you will. Reduced productivity and relational conflict. Can we pause for a second? Does that sound like your work environment? Does it sound like something you're dealing with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis? You bet it does. So that kind of anxiety loop that's happening in the workplace, guess what we're doing? We're dragging it home with us, and it's affecting every other area of our lives. And then the scary part. When anxiety is not dealt with, When anxiety is not addressed, it then becomes a super highway towards depression. Depression is simply hopelessness. 
We give up on the idea of a better future, a better tomorrow, a better next week, a better next month, a better next year, a better life. So, one of the reasons why America isn't working, the way we view work, the way we do work, the way we are led, is broken. That's how we got here. You want to know why we have so many people that have just opted out of a traditional work environment? I'm going to give you a few reasons. First, it starts with bad leadership. Unhealthy, bad, toxic, you pick the adjective, when you are in an environment where the leader allows toxicity, gossip, favoritism, nepotism, you pick it. Bad leadership means a bad environment, and that will stress anybody out. Why? I'm going to tie these all to stress. When I've got a bad leader, I feel like I am limited in my response to it. After all, they are my leader. How much can I do? You don't think that'll cause stress? Woohoo! Oh, man. Like, that that's stressful. My leader is playing favorites. My leader is allowing unethical behavior. My leader is is abusive. My leader is unresponsive. Folks, I can just keep rolling. I don't need to. You're filling in your own blank. Bad leadership. It's a cause of massive stress in the workplace. Let's talk about the pandemic. The pandemic came in. It was a massive disruption, and I would suggest to you it was a massive reset. Why? It changed our values, and it changed our work preferences. Let me explain. When we were sent home, and we were told, you got to work from home because you may die or you may get really, really sick. And we saw, I mean, folks, you would turn into cable news. You saw it. I saw it. You remember it. They had a death ticker. Now, I'm not going to get into your views on vaxes and masks and everything else. But I'm going to tell you something. For a short period of time for some of us, for a long period of time for others, We were confronted with death and severe medical consequences. What does that do? It makes you start thinking about your life, folks. So it began to change our values. We began to think long-term like we all should on a daily basis. What's my contribution? What do I want life to look like for me? That's what the pandemic did. And then the pandemic changed our preferences for work. Turns out millions and millions of people said, I like working at home in my shorts and flip-flops or my sweatpants. That's autonomy. Humans crave freedom. Tell you what else is has caused and so 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 by the way all of that together when when all of that changed we started stressing out about the life we live now versus the life we want to live now let's go to another one social media has created the comparison culture we were already creatures of comparison which is unhealthy but now you throw in social media and we're always looking at the joneses forget keeping up with them we can't even keep up with them we're too busy looking at what they're doing that creates stress it, it, it focused the, the 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 limelight, if you will, a giant spotlight on the gap from where we are to where we want to be. Comparison culture creates a lot of stress. And then fear-mongering from the media and marketing. The media needs to freak you out to get you to pay attention, and marketing needs to scare you to purchase. That has done more for stress 
than anything else in our world. We're stressed out all the time because our amygdala, our lizard brain, the fight or flight is always being activated by the media and by marketing. When you aren't watching the media, guess what happens? You go to commercial break and they tell you, do you have dry mouth? Stomach pain? Everything. I mean, there's no break. And then coddling. American parents over generations have become more and more concerned about how our kids feel than how our kids act. So what must change? What must change? If America isn't working, how do we make America work? Good news, folks. Ken Coleman is on the wall. You want me on the wall. You need me on the wall, and I'll tell you next. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. America isn't working. I'm not talking about the construct of our Constitution. I'm not talking about our political system, although I got thoughts. <laughs> but I'm going to keep it in this lane of the backbone of our great nation is its economy built on capitalism. Now, some of you out there don't like capitalism because you've been watching too many YouTube videos and on some other channel. You've been watching TikToks. Because, you know, there are parts of socialism that are very attractive. Oh, my gosh, it sounds good. Oh, sounds great. Until you realize that it is the appetizer to communism. Not my opinion. Look it up. Go find you somebody that lives in Venezuela, someone that lives in Cuba, and talk to them about it. I'm not joking here. I'm not being glib. I'm not being sarcastic. That's not the point I'm making today. However, a little bit of context helps. America isn't working. We have a massive gap right now in our working system, meaning more jobs available than people who are willing to work. Notice I said willing, not able. We got plenty of people that are able. They don't want to work. And so in this new series, Why America Isn't Working, I am going to unpack several causes that collectively have created a system that is flawed, a system that could cave in under its own weight. This is no joke. This is not a civics lesson. This is a relevant discussion right here, right now. So why is America not working? America is not working in one capacity because we are more anxious, anxiety-ridden than ever. Now, I covered that in the last segment, why it's not working. Let's talk about what can we do about it. It's not enough to just point out the problem. Let's talk about a solution. What must change to make America work again? First, the way we see work. The way we see work. Do you see work as a utilitarian function? Or do you see work as a unique contribution if you see work as a utilitarian function this is what you think about work ah it's got to go in on monday gotta make it to hump day oh i made it through hump day oh friday happy hour is almost here how can i 
drown my sorrows, play to my heart's content on the weekend just to overcome the pain of misery and average Monday through Friday. Sound familiar to you? Just got to work. Got to work. Got to try to retire at 55. What do I got to do? Got to retire at 55 so I don't have to ever work again. Sound familiar? If that's you, you see work as a utilitarian function. In other words, I work just to be able to live. Now, that's the predominant worldview of work. I got to work, Coleman. I got to pay the bills, man. Got to have vacation. Got to get that 401k filled up. How sad is that? Really? Really? That's the only way you see work? How about looking at work as a unique contribution that only you can make to your world? Now, let's make that a little less intimidating. What if we viewed work as a way for you to make a unique contribution in your zip code, putting good results into the world, and also having a good environment to do it in, and also making a good living. Now, what if we started looking at work that way? What if we looked at work as an opportunity to make our mark? Live to work. Now, that freaks out a lot of you folks right now. You're already going, I'm not going to be a workaholic. I'm tired of working for the man. I'm going to be a quiet quitter. Stop. Listen to what I'm saying. If I replace the phrase, the word rather, live to work, and I said live to contribute, I dare say some of you would go, I like that. I want to live in such a way that in my time on this earth, I contribute something positive. Now, that is going to get you a lot of unity in this world. No matter your race, your creed, your politics, your religion, everybody can get behind that statement. I want to live in such a way that I make a unique contribution that is positive and I can look and say, I made a difference. I made my mark. So we've got to start looking at work as a way to make a unique contribution. Secondly, we've got to think about how we work. We just talked about the why we work, but how we work. I would suggest to you that if you have a very clear grasp of why you work, the how you work will be about excellence and pride. Excellence in that I'm going to give my best. I'm not going to say things like, I just want to work, do enough to keep my job, and fly the flag of quiet quitting. Can I tell you what I think quiet quitting actually is? Here's a new phrase for you. Instead of quiet quitting, we should call it apathetic average. Hey, I'm about apathetic average. Because if you're a quiet quitter, by definition, you are apathetic towards excellence in your work and pride because of your work. 
And and by definition, you are all about average. I just want to keep my paycheck. If I get promoted, that's fine. Quiet quitting is apathetic average. And it's time we started calling it that. If we begin to see work as that unique contribution in the why, then the how should be, I'm going to be excellent. And excellent is what is the measurement. Not the amount of time. Not the title. But the result. An excellent work you ought to be proud of. That's good pride. I'm proud because of the effort and the results. Next, we have to start addressing where we work. You need to work in a place. You should be able to work in a place that shares your values and values you. A place that shares your values and values you. Now, let's not get caught up here in this values discussion and think it's about politics. That should not be involved. Where the CEO and the board members and the leadership of your company decides to vote and donate to really shouldn't be an issue. But if I'm on a place that shares my values, in other words, the product or the service that the company that I work for, that they produce their service, their product, I have shared values. And they treat me with dignity. They care about me. We need to be working in a place that shares our values and values us. And then when we work. Some of you don't want to work in an office. I say more power to you. But you're going to have to build a life that allows you to do that. I want to work at home. I want to be a digital nomad. Fan-freaking-tastic. I'm all for it. But you're going to have to build to that life. What do you have to do so that you can do what you want to do wherever you want to do it? You can't demand that. You must build that. And I'm afraid we've got a generation that is demanding remote work because of what remote allows, autonomy and flexibility. I love it. I'm all for autonomy and flexibility. But I've got to build that life. So build a life that you don't have to escape from. How about that? That's not on your boss. That's not on the company you work for. That's on you. Let's go do it. I'll help you. So what's the answer to all of those things? It's about leadership. We're going to have to start developing and promoting leaders who get this. That means you leaders who aren't doing this, aren't creating this kind of environment where people go, I want to show up to work. I'm proud of the work that I get to do. I'm proud to be a part of this mission that is so much bigger than me. That's on leaders and leaders have failed us. It's time for leaders to serve us. If you're enjoying the show, I need your help. Would you help me spread this common sense? Would you help me spread some fact-based optimism so people begin to see their life at work is not this drudgery, but they see it as artistry? How about that? That's not kumbaya. I mean, I'm the facts, folks. Common sense, man of the people. Help me spread the word about the show. You can do that on YouTube by liking the video, commenting, uh, and subscribing and sharing. Those are the things that all help. The algorithms, they, they perform. I don't understand it, but that's how it goes. And if you listen to us on your favorite podcast app, would you give us a follow? Would you 
like and share. Give us a four-star review. Five-star. I said that the last time. I don't know why I keep demoting to four-star, but maybe it's because I'm such a humble guy. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go to Jessica now in Boise, Idaho for a coaching session. Jessica, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Thank you so much for taking my call. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, Jessica. What's up? So I have a decision I have to make by the end of this week, and I was really hoping to get some of your wisdom and input. All right. So, I don't know how much wisdom I got, but I got a lot of input. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, anything I could get, I would appreciate. All right. Hit me. So in January of 2022, beginning of last year, I started on a new career journey at a Christian financial investment firm. It was this next big step. I really felt like God was leading me there. I was so excited and it just came with so much peace. And then five months later, I was blindsided completely by a layoff um, due to the volatility of the market and I just, I sunk really low mm. and it, it hit me really, really hard. Sure. So, um, it took me a while to, you know, kind of get back up again and, and search, put myself out there again. And in October of last year, I landed a job at a dental insurance company just to, you know, move on, just to survive the move on. Um, and that's where I'm currently at. Um, a couple weeks ago, this, uh, financial investment firm reached out to me and they want me back. They offered the same position, more pay, and I have to let them know by the end of the week, I was again blindsided, you know, by, but this time with the, the offer again from them, um, so I am. I'm pretty torn. I've I've just really been searching my heart. What are you and torn about? What are you torn about? Do I stay in the safe, secure position that I'm at, or do I risk it again and take that leap of faith and go back? What I'm makes the current position safe and secure in your mind? Well, after having been laid off, something I never thought I would experience. I'm going back to a company that is directly affected, you know, by the stock market and everything going on in the economy. I don't know if I want to go back to that. I understand. I understand that, (laughs) but that you didn't answer my question. Yeah. Yeah. What makes you feel safe and secure about the current company, not the past company that laid you off? That is obviously they mismanaged or maybe it was just a function of the cycle. I'll get into that in a second. I'm asking you the current job, which is boring and sucking the soul out of you. Can I say that? Am I wrong? I mean, I've, I've hit a plateau. Yep. What makes you believe, (laughs) what makes you believe that your current job is more safe and more secure? I guess you could say the the product that it offers, you know, dental insurance is something that will okay. essentially always be around. Uh, yeah. So, I just, I just, here's what I'm doing. I was hoping to get an answer like that, but that's your opinion. Yeah. I don't think you have any more safety and security at the insurance company than you do at this other company. And I, and I know that that seems nonsensical, but any company can right. go through layoffs is my point. Right. Right. And so if I, if I come up above the fray and we, cause, cause if you average it all out, I just, 
I, I think there's more to this. So when they came back to you, did you ask them questions or did they explain what happened before that created the conditions by which they laid you off and others? Was it just you or there's other people? Um, there was a group of us and apparently I'm the only one that they're asking back. Oh, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. Yeah. <laughs> they value you. But do you yeah. have an understanding or did they explain it as to, yes. okay, what, what happened? Yep. What led to the layoff? They just, they financially were not prepared at all for the total dip in the market. And they're not, they were going in the red and they just, you know, had okay. to do what they had to do. But did they, they learn? Did they learn from it? Yes. Yeah. Do you have evidence that they learned from it? Well, um, I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I'm going off of their word. They're, they're very transparent. Good. So um, they gave you a, they gave you a, hey, we learned our lesson, and now yes. we're we're prepared for something like this in the future. And and I mean, have you expressed, yep. guys? I want to come back to work for you, but I'm scared. Have you said that? Oh yeah. What they said? Yes. They said that is totally understandable. You know, they they totally understand not wanting to take the risk. But they, I mean, they were essentially just really pleading for me, and they they really yes, but they did really they want me to fill that need? I get that, but did yes. they? Because here, here, here's what we got to do. We have to acknowledge that it's normal and it's okay for you to be calling me right now with two emotions, fear and excitement. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Yep. But you're letting your fear drown out the excitement, and that is going to continue to be the case until we get to the point where we go, our excitement is far greater than our fear. So what must be true for excitement to be greater than fear? The feeling of risk and you getting more knowledge, and then when you get the knowledge, does the knowledge square up with you? In other words, do you believe it? Correct? Right. So yeah. have they given mm -hmm. you enough knowledge, in other words, evidence, that they are insured against this kind of thing happening again? When you told them, I want to come back when I'm scared, and they said, I know, I know, I know, but then they did they explain to you where you go, I'm confident that they get it, they've got it figured out? You know, just... They, it was all based on their word, and I, I feel like every answer... I don't like words. question was answered. I don't, I don't, wait, wait a second. I'm interrupting, and I'm sorry, but what did they give you details with their word, or they just went, hey, we got you, I promise. Did they explain, hey, here's what we've got in place now? I mean, did, did they answer any of those questions that you they still have? About a, yeah, they talked about a savings account specifically. Great. They really, they really Great. watched their numbers. And All right, so how'd you purchases. feel? How'd you feel when they when you asked them those questions or they gave you that explanation? I mean, I of course, I appreciated that they were, their honesty and sharing that. It's just, you know, I'm trying to get over the, the hurt. I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you that. How did you yes. feel when they gave you an explanation? Did you feel like... I mean, still a little hesitant, but I just, I, I absolutely believed them 100%. Okay. So if you believed and you felt good about their explanation, meaning it made sense to you, that's what I'm driving at. Yes. The yes, fear will dissipate, but the fear will only dissipate when you have the answers that you need, and then you begin yeah. to focus on the answer. And you went, on that phone call, that made sense to me. They got a savings yeah. account. They're not going to let this happen. There's some tripwires. Do you understand what I'm driving at? Yep. You're mm -hmm. focused on the wrong thing right now. You're focused on your fear. 
Yeah. What you should be focusing on is the facts. Uh, let, let me explain it sure. this way. Are you a mom by any chance? You got kids? I am not. All right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember being a kid? I do. All right. Give me an example of a time in your childhood when your mom and dad were teaching you something to do, whether it be ride a bike, swim. Those would be examples. But you tell me. Take me back. Do you remember a time when your mom or dad taught you something and you were afraid to do it, but they were assuring, and at some point you got you went from fear to believing mom and dad, and you did it and you learned it. Can you take me to something? Sure. I can see myself trying to ride my bike. Boom. Yeah, I'm teaching that. Boom. Me that. Boom. <laughs> That's where we're at. Do you believe that if they hire you back, that they're going to lay you off again for the same circumstance? If you do, don't go back. But if you believe them that they've learned and that they can teach you how to ride a bike, jump on the bike. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.